I don't know if it was still raining this when y'all came in, but we need the rain. You know, it's not fun to go through a day of rain, but you know what's coming. I, I don't know if you can feel it, but things are about ready to start budding out of the ground and, and sprouting and buds coming out of the trees. We've seen the Bradford pears, they come out a little bit earlier. Um, but I think it's also a sign of what God's wanting to do in your life, that we need the rain. Um, amen. The rain needs to come to bring growth, to bring nourishment. And also, sometimes rain kind of signifies a little bit of rest, that we can kind of catch our breath a little bit, stay inside, and, and uh, you know, rain helps you sleep. I don't know the, uh, if you ever slept under a tin roof, it just will, uh, it'll just lull you to sleep. But as, as I started this kind of shorter series that we're doing for the next couple weeks on Acclimate, um, in, in my Christian walk, I've been saved since I was five, but I have found myself so many times in my walk with the Lord and in my natural walk asking the question, what's my next move? Where do I go from here? You know, I, I, I may think that I've gotten there and then I realize, uh-oh, something's gone wrong. What's my next move? Where do I go from here? I kind of feel like I've reached this plateau. Now what's next? Um, I don't know about you, but I find myself asking that question a lot because there must be a, a next step. Where do I go from here? Well, it says in Isaiah chapter 43, and we looked at this last week. We're going to look at it again, probably for the next few weeks. It says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, let me encourage you today. Today's a day of encouragement. Today's a day of direction and receiving from what God has exactly for you. But you are not here by coincidence. You didn't just happen to drive up here. Even though you may have just driven up here and you can't say why, I want you to know God knew why. God had a plan for you before you were ever born. Before you were ever conceived, God knew you were coming. You're not here by chance. You're not here on this earth by chance, but you're also, you're not here at Church on the Hill by chance. You are here on purpose, and it is because you have a purpose. You have a purpose. God has a plan for you, and it's something new. It's something exciting. Just like we know the flowers are gonna start budding up out of the ground. We don't see them yet, but we know they're coming. And I want you to know something is coming for you. God says it. But you may can relate to this scripture and say, I feel like, Pastor Paul, I'm in the wilderness. Or I feel like a dry desert land. Or it feels like that's what I'm walking on. Do You know, it says that he will make a pathway through the wilderness. If you're in the wilderness, God has a pathway for you out. God has a pathway for you out. But if you're in a dry place, God has a way for you out of that. He has a way for you. You are here for a reason, for a purpose. But it's my desire and my plan over this series to help give you the vision of where Church on the Hill is going. Where are we going? Have you ever been in the car with someone and you don't know where they're going? I hate to ride in the car with someone and not know where I'm going. Just tell me where I'm going. So then I can be the backseat driver that I'm great at and tell you how to get there. 
Uh, I, I, I rode with Pete Saturday. Um, I don't remember where we were going. We were, we were going to Starbucks and going to take some trash. And I found myself telling him everywhere to turn. And I finally thought, Paul, shut up. Let him do his thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to have to quit watching where we're going and let him do the driving. It's hard. Even walking with the Lord, we want to know the next turn and the next turn and have the GPS laid out where every turn is. But he doesn't give us that. He gives us the one step. Because we'll take over and we'll wind up off a cliff somewhere in a river, in a van down by the river. I have that tendency. Do you? I do. But I want you to know that we are a church with vision. We are a church with purpose. And I want you to know where we're going so that you can get on board with it and say, I'm good with that. How can I help us as a body get there? This word acclimate, such a cool word. What it means is it means to become accustomed to a new climate or to new conditions. We've got to find out what that new climate is or where are we going? God, what is this new thing you're doing? Because I want to get on board with that. I have found that walking with God is not the same as walking with the world. And so many times I get to walking with God and find myself walking with the world and have to say, whoa, back up. How do I get back on track? But first and foremost, Church on the Hill, it is my desire and our leadership's desire, the church's desire, that this be a place that you can connect to Jesus Christ. Number one, that you can connect easily. It is easy to connect to Christ. It's not hard. Jesus made it easy. It is a place of acceptance for the sinner. That's me. A place of restoration for the broken. That's me. A place of rehabilitation and healing. But to sum it up, it is a place for the hurting to find hope. And you know, people that are hurt are all on many different levels. Seasoned Christians to someone that's just completely lost, doesn't know Christ at all, can all be hurting. And this is a place of hope for the hurting a place to find hope for something better, hope for something better, a better marriage, better things for your kids, for your finances, for your future. But once you receive hope, once you begin to realize I can overcome, I get this godly hope and start walking with Jesus, following his word, connecting to his body, then it's time for us to put those challenges aside, they're not primary, and for us to find our purpose. If you have purpose, you will get up out of bed in the morning. If you have purpose, you will have a reason to do things, to feel encouraged, to get up and to move. Last week we started and just looked at hope. And the reason we have hope here at Church on the Hill is because Jesus is here. Jesus, the hope of glory, Christ, the hope of glory is in you. If you, if you are saved and you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you walked into this place, hope came with you. I have hope because Jesus is in me and Christ is the hope of glory. But today we're going to look at purpose. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. 
It says, therefore, since we have such a, cloud of, such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, that's just the start. I'm not done yet. But I want to go back to where it says, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Let us get the sin out of the way. And I believe that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is the vision of church on the hill. Because I believe laying aside every encumbrance and laying, getting rid of the sin is that hope part. When you receive Christ and you receive hope, you realize that you can overcome the challenges that you have in front of you. But not only that, Jesus comes into your heart and starts revealing the sin in your heart and helps you clean that up. Why do we need that cleaned up? Because we have a race to run. And if you've ever tried running with the wrong clothing on or unprepared, it becomes a complete distraction. Anybody here ever tried to run with the earbuds that come with your iPhone, just the ones that just come right out of the box? Because you can't run with them. They dangle out and they fall out. and Instead, you wind up messing with your earbuds instead of running. I hate them. It's a distraction to me. I need to focus on running because if I don't, I won't run. I've also worn the wrong clothes. I've also worn the wrong shoes. And it is so distracting. And that's what sin does in your life. And sometimes not even sin, but natural things that are just in your way that need to get out of the way. So that's the hope part. As you come in and you start to connect and you start to receive Christ and walk in his word, the word, God starts to show you the things that are getting in your way. Why does he want them out of your way? So you can focus on one thing. God has a plan for you. Let's continue this scripture. Next verse. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now notice we get rid of the sin. We get rid of the things that are distracting us so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter. Another word for that is finisher of our faith. For who, who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What an incredible scripture. But I want you to know that we see here that God has set before us a race. And with the race, there, are, there is direction. There is boundaries. There is a start and a finish line. With every race, you do not go and be a part of the Boston Marathon and just run your own random 26.2 miles. You'll get run over. You won't make it back. You'll get lost. But God has set before you a race, and the race part shows us that there is a particular route to go. The Christian life is encompassed with a, a, a very specific route. That race, I believe, can be also referred to as purpose, that God has a purpose for you. He has a race for you. Now, church body, listen to me. He has a specific race for you created for you a race that you can run have you ever gotten in a race and you thought i can't do this have you ever been put in a situation at work or at home and think oh man i am set up to fail i know before we even start i'm in trouble the race that god places before you is is not only a race that you can run it's a race that you can win god's race you can do it 
It's just for you. And you know the word purpose? It means the reason for which something is done or created for. But it also means for which something exists. And I believe that's why you are here, is because you have purpose. You have something that you and only you are supposed to do. Only you. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says, not that I've already attained it. This is uh, Paul speaking. Or that I've, even that I've already become perfect or complete, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which, for that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul had the vision that Christ laid hold of him for a purpose. And the fulfilling of that purpose means that we must relate to the purpose. You know, it's again knowing that when you hop in the car, you know where you're going. You're not just wandering around out here hoping you find out, wind up at the finish line, but that you know where you're going. You need to relate to it. You need to understand it. It's like coming to church on the hill and have no idea where we're going. It's hard to really lock in as a, as a family to say, okay, I'm with you. How can you say I'm with you if you don't know where we're going? You know, I don't know if y'all have ever heard the expression, I'm with you fellers. You know, this one's deciding that, this one's deciding this way, but he can't decide which way we're going, but I'm with you. That's no way to live. Where are we going? Something with Elizabeth and me and that Joe McGee has talked about in marriage is the wife just wants to know where the husband's going. Tell me we're going somewhere. And I found myself many times in our marriage not knowing where we're going. And my wife wasn't losing support of me. She just could feel we're not going anywhere. I want to go somewhere. God has a perfect plan for church on the hill of where we're supposed to go. And I want to be a part of that. But in the next scripture, verse 13, says, Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, something that just jumps off the page to me says letting go of what's behind. We've got to let the past stay in the past. God has left it in the past. I want you to know if you've come in here with all kinds of baggage, join the crowd. We're all together. We all have come in with so much baggage. And let me tell you, that baggage is bad. I have bad baggage in my past. Anybody else? Yeah, it's bad. And God would say, that's bad. But the Lord would also tell you, I paid for that. I don't have to pay for it again. What you've walked in here with, you don't have to think, oh man, God's got to pay for that. No, no, no. He's paid. It's paid for. What you've walked in here with and what you're so having a hard time getting your head above water, the blood of Jesus has paid that price for you. It's paid. The, the problem is, you just have to receive it. Receiving forgiveness for what you've done in the past is a big step for you. I know that. But if you don't get past the past, that's where you'll stay. God has got something for you. But it's not backwards, it's forwards. What God has for you is forward. It's not in my past. And I don't want to stay in the past any longer. 
You know what he says here twice in this scripture is he says, I press on. I go forward. I press on. He says it twice. I press on. You know what that is? That is a mental attitude. That is a decision that's being made that Paul is making. He says, I press on. I have a goal. I haven't arrived yet, but I know where I'm headed. But the last time Paul uses this phrase, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a reward for us at the end of this race to those that complete the race. Let's always keep the goal in mind, reminding ourselves that we do not want to lose sight of our God-appointed reward, that we press on toward purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, do you not know that those who run, that, that all, let me say this again, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone competes in the games, exercises self-control in all things. Then they then do it to receive a perishable wreath or a prize, a perishable prize, something that doesn't last. But we, an imperishable or a prize that never fades away. Now, did you catch what he said at the beginning? We run, but we run to win. We run to win. It's not this, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. God did not say that. God says, I've called you to win. And in order to win, someone has to lose. There's a loser and there's a winner. And in Christ, I am to be a winner. There is a finish. There is a prize. And uh, you know, what is the goal of a race? The goal of the race is to finish, is to find that finish line, but not only to finish, but to win. When I run a race with someone, even if it's my kids, I'm thinking I'm going to win. But you're running with your kids. Yeah, I know. But the point of the race is to win. So I have to really fight in my flesh. Do I let my child win or do I win? I want to win, but I got to fight. But my son, I've told you guys this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Those Wednesday night got to hear it. But Pete, Pete had played baseball and basketball his whole life, probably since he was three or four. And when he became a freshman, um, he stopped playing both sports and uh, started pursuing different areas. It was, it's really a, a, a sermon that I could teach on just on dads. And it says that we're supposed to raise kids up in the way that they should go, not in the way that I think they should go. And I really had a hard time with that. I really had a hard time with that. I was very hard on him as a coach. Um, I really probably need to be sozoed over it. If y'all don't know what sozo is, it's our really deep prayer ministry. But I was really hard on Pete. Uh, I now encourage my girls in volleyball and in gymnastics and in running. And Pete's like, I don't even know who you are. I don't, I'm like, I don't know who I am either. You know, and so Pete, Pete uh, got to be in uh, The King and I. And then he was in Les Mis along with my uh, oldest daughter. But he, d he decided to run track. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And he never went to any of the practices. I think he went to one or two. And it just, it's okay. It's all right. He went to a couple. He went to a couple practices. And the play is going on, so he can't ever be there. But here comes the meets. And Pete says, hey, I'm going to be, Pete, wave, wave at me. Where are you? 
Of course he left. Doggone it. He's got a play this afternoon with Westside. But he said, Dad, I'm going to be running in a track meet. I said, how are you going to run? You've only been to like two practices. What, 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 what are you competing in? He said, well, I'm going to be in like three things. I'm like, oh, no. What, what are those three things? And one of them was like running a mile race. So I said, okay, if you're going to do it, I'm going to come. So I got out there. I'm kind of by myself and just thinking, oh, what is this going to be? And he got on the starting line and he started running and here he goes and I'm having a good time and he had to run four laps, I think. And the first lap he came around and he looked up at me and just smiled. I'm like, (laughs) and in my heart, I'm like, don't look at me, run. You don't look at parents, run. But I'm like, okay. And he's staying with the crowd, Comes back around, he looks back up at me again, and now I'm starting to just kind of have some joy and having fun, and I'm thinking, don't laugh at him, but I'm so, I'm having a good time. It's like I've had a, it's like I've gotten free. I'm not going to yell at my kid, I'm going to support him. Woo, way to go, Pete. You know, I don't care how you do it, just go. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Makes his third lap, and he's kind of losing ground. Or he's, he's not losing ground, but he's, he, he, you, you can tell he's, he's getting, he's breathing heavy. He comes around the backstretch of his back, back stretch of his last lap, lap. He has an eighth of a mile left, and he kicks it into gear. I can just see it like a horse, you know, finding its, its, his speed. And, and I'm thinking, oh, no, too soon, too soon. Do you really have enough to finish? And he's got a guy in front of him, a competitor, and he's trying to catch him. And he's, you can tell he's just after that guy. And he passes him. But he's still got probably another 100 yards left. I'm like, oh, God, no. And sure enough, here this guy's coming up behind him. And I'm screaming. No one can hear. He can't hear me. I'm like, pee, pee, run, run, run. And the guy passes him. And he comes within about 10 yards of the finish line and quits. And falls down in the grass and just lays there. He thought he was done. And his teammates come running to him like, get up, get up, get up, run. And Pete's like, and runs the rest of the way. And by this time, I found one of my friends, and we are just bent over laughing so hard. It was such an awesome experience for me to realize the world does not end with how he does out there. He's having a good time. I am so torn. I'm like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde trying to think, I want to laugh, but this isn't funny. But this is so funny. But I talked to Pete afterward, and I said, Pete, I'm so proud of you. That was, that was so fun. And he's like, thanks, Dad. He, he doesn't care. He's, he's so easy, easy going. But I said, Pete, what's the point of a race? He said, the finish line. Figure out where the finish line is before you start. <laughs> Figure out where the finish line is. There's a finish line. You have a finish line. But one receives the prize. It says that we need endurance and self-control. In order to finish this race, we've got to have endurance and self-control. Do you know why we need endurance? Because when we, when we get within within reach of our finish line a lot of times we can't see it we don't know it's there but you need that endurance to push through 
You may be right at the breakthrough point and you need to push through it. So many times like with, with women giving birth, right at the end, they want to quit. I just, I just, my pregnant lady speaking up. But I can remember even with Elizabeth, she just said, I want to be done. But you're one push away from complete joy. From, from complete release and peace. And this gift that you can't see, but you know is coming. And guys, ladies, you're right at that point. You just need to press on. You just need to push through, hang in there. Christians can't be quitters. And the opposite of endurance is to quit. We can't quit. But it also talks about self-control. I want you to know that if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, a gift of the Spirit is self-control. You men that have problems with anger, you can control it. You can. You can. Because the Lord will empower you to control it. And the scripture says, be angry. Sometimes anger helps you push through. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't take it to that level where it becomes destructive. Make sure it is productive. Anger can be productive. But we've got to endure. Now let's, let's continue on. Verse, back to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Do you know what the joy is? Do, it's me. Let that one sink in. Look at what Christ endured. Not only did he endure it, but it was the joy set before him. You are the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That in itself gives us the courage and the strength to press through for the call that God has on our life. God has a purpose for you. Keeping your eyes fixed on Christ because you cannot get to the finish line without him. You won't get there. You'll wind up somewhere else. You'll wind up completely lost. It says in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I believe what this scripture means is that as we come in to the body of Christ, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we really connect to Jesus Christ, to his word, to his spirit, and also to his body. Then we get all these encumbrances, all these sins out of our way so that we can get fixed on Jesus what it is that our purpose is in Christ. And as we start to walk in that purpose, God makes our past, our present, and our future work for good. Do you know that my past is bad? But God has made it work for good. I, my testimony is that God can take your past and make it work for good. 
That's what this new story is going to, this new sermon series is going to be on. It's going to be restore, but with a little long E on the end, restory. That our restoring so many times comes through testimony. You know, it says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Your past does not disqualify you. Your past equips you to help reach the lost for Christ. Your past, your testimony, your story. And it's come through, through the baptism that we had a few weeks ago, through that story of, of John, who was an atheist for 40 years, that his story now has the ability to help someone else get restored, help someone else receive Christ. So as we walk with Christ, he'll take everything about us and use it for him. Everything, warts and all, past and all, all of you, all of you. The Lord wants to use all of you, all that junk. He has a plan for you. Will you all stand up with me? You have a purpose. We all say that. Say, I have a purpose. purpose. You have value and you have something amazing to do. So do it. Do it. Start by connecting to Jesus in a real way. By his word, by his spirit. Get filled with the spirit. By connecting to the body of Christ. And as he, as you do... God has told us that he will direct our steps. God is your director. Now, I want you to know what he isn't. He will not take the steps for you. You have to take the steps. So take them. He has a plan for you. He has a race for you. He will reveal it to you. He won't hide it from you. But he won't take the steps for you. You've got to get on the playing field, on the track, You have a race to run. No, you have a race to win. You have a race to win. Will you purpose in your heart today to start walking with the Lord, to start walking with his spirit, to start walking with his word, and to start walking with his body? Connect here. Get connected to someone, to something, and start walking. He will direct your steps and show you that purpose. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you take us just like we are. We are not required to do anything to be loved by you. We are not required to change anything about us. We can come just like we are to you. Now, Lord, when we receive you, then we are going to change. You are going to do something great in us. But the starting point, you take us just like we are. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, I ask you as we begin to connect to you that you would start to direct those steps and show us our purpose. Thank you, Lord. I have a purpose. You have a purpose, and it is a great purpose. God has a plan, and it's a plan of hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has plans for you. They're plans of hope and a future.
their plans of good and not of bad. But you have to start walking. Would you do that? In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to offer you that chance to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Take it. Begin your race. If you've fallen away, get back in the race. That's all it takes. That's what repentance is. Getting off of your track and getting back onto His. He's a restorer. He wants to restore you so that you've never missed a lap. Thank you, Lord. Will you turn? Just thank you. We're going to sing for just a moment. And I just ask you, give your heart back to the Lord. Amen.